You're listening to Alabama Tradition with Ryan Fowler and Martin Houston on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Championships, 27 SEC titles, 131 first-team All-Americans, 70 postseason appearances, 39 postseason victories. This is Alabama football. And this is Alabama Tradition with Martin Houston and Ryan Fowler on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. you talk Alabama Crimson Tide football in Tuscaloosa and we're going to do that today on Alabama tradition Alabama taking on the Auburn Tigers Alabama's got this series lead uh, trying to find a way to smash the Tigers and kind of give them a little bit of a payback Mac Jones you know it's a revenge game for him we're going to talk about that Alabama is going to be ranked at number one we hope college football playoff rankings and the conversation around Alabama who's going to be number two who's going to be number three Who's going to be four? Who's going to be, where's Texas A&M, Florida going to be ranked? Alabama, able to beat Texas A&M, and the quality win is there. Uh, Notre Dame, don't forget, don't forget the love that they're going to spend for Notre Dame. We've got playoff rankings coming up. We've got cancellations all over college football. Fingers still crossed, Auburn, don't you dare. Don't you dare try to pull this. Not saying they will. I'm just, you know, we got to make people accountable. We got Nick Saban audio. We got a lot of things to get to. We will also invite you to be a part of the program if you want to do that. 205 342 9904. We will react to the college football playoff numbers as we get them. Waiting for the college football playoff rankings to be released. 13 members inside of a room debating will this be the difficult challenge ahead for this football season? 2020, how do you evaluate 10, 11, 8, 7, even games getting canceled as we speak? How are you going to evaluate that? How are you going to try to find a way uh, to look at these teams and look at the criteria, look at the strength of schedule, look at these teams and say, hey, this is the best team in college football. Will that committee be able to evaluate the Alabama Crimson Tide? How much, how close that's going to be a lot of the conversation that we will talk about as we travel throughout the evening. Let's start with Nick Saban, the best coach in college football, analyzing the game. He's been a part of this rivalry. He understands it going into year number 14. He's 8-5 and five in his 13 years. He's really dominated everybody if you look at the win-loss record. But this is one thorn that's been in the side of Nick Saban. Why? We're going to talk about that as we travel throughout the day. And as we will be with you until 7 o'clock, as I said, we will invite you to be a part of the phone calls. If you want to jump in, you can do that at 205-342-9904. 205-342-9904. The best coaching college football, Nick Saban. Opening comments, just a couple of minutes here, and then we'll ride back to the conversation as we're waiting the college football playoff rankings as they happen. Here is Nick Saban. Yeah, I think, um, you know, looking at the Kentucky game, regardless of score, you know, there's still some opportunities there for us to learn and grow and um, get some mistakes corrected that uh, would help our consistency and performance. Um, 
congratulations to Devontae Smith for being, you know, called Offensive Player of the Week this this week. You know, all eyes here are looking forward to, you know, the Iron Bowl, which is one of the, you know, great rivalries, I think, in college football. Uh, certainly means a lot to a lot of people in this state and all over the country. So, um, as always, we're playing a very, very good team, a top 20 team. You know, Gus has done a really good job there. These guys play well in all phases of the game. You know, their defense has played well. They're second in scoring uh, in the SEC and uh, scoring defense. Uh, they've got some very active, you know, linebackers, very athletic on defense, make a lot of big plays. Uh, very well coached. Kevin Steele does a great job with them. Uh, offensively, um, they got great balance, you know. They run the ball effectively. You know, Bo Nix is a very um, effective quarterback in every regard. Uh, he's a very good passer. Uh, they've got some very good skill guys at receiver. Uh, he can extend plays. Um, he can run quarterback runs when they need him to. Um, so um, they've got some really good running backs. So they have great balance. Uh, play really, really well on special teams. A good return game, good specialist. So uh, this is going to be a very challenging game for us in a lot of ways. And uh, we certainly need to play our best football of the season to be able to have success in this game. Uh, Nick Saban, I've always wanted to correct you. Uh, here I will. He said Auburn was a top 20 team. He's actually wrong. Uh, Auburn is checking in at 22. I'm just trying to be nice. When you look at the Auburn Tigers at 22, uh, that's what they think of the guys. We'll talk about Alabama and Martin Houston. I hope all is well, my friend. Welcome into Alabama tradition. I am doing well, Ryan, and glad to be here, man. Uh, Auburn checking in at twenty-two. Ooh, Coastal Carolina uh, is uh, twenty. It is ahead of the Auburn Tigers. <laughs> hey Auburn! Hey Auburn! Hey, have you have you seen uh, Coastal Carolina no, play? No, you need to watch them play. Their center's five nine. Really? They have nobody on their offensive line, Ryan, like over 270. It, it wow. Would, it, it would, it would, it's, it's amazing what they're doing. So Coastal anyway. Carolina. Eight, uh, no. Hey. Hey, it's good. I mean, listen, you know, we, we talk about, you know, winning a national title. That's how we uh, take success. But, you know, you look at the guys uh, in a lot of these other schools, they just fight for a chance to be recognized in Coastal Carolina, their moment in the spotlight. BYU at number 14. That's hey. – uh, at nine and zero. At nine and zero, that tells you they ought to be top ten just for having played nine games. Wow! Look at strength of schedule there. Indiana dropping to twelve. Oklahoma five and two. LSU is not in the top twenty-five rankings. It's the first time that a national champ has not been ranked in the inaugural college football playoff rankings in the seven-year history. A little jab uh, from the penthouse to the outhouse in just a few months. LSU, how you guys doing? How can how can a six and two Big Twelve team be in front of anybody that's nine and zero? How do you evaluate this talent? Like like if you're, don't you think that this is the most difficult job that this committee, thirteen member committee, has has been presented with is this year? I, I would say it should be, uh, but it still looks like they're doing a lot of the same old recognizing the brand. You know, for the most part. Hey, there's but, a Miami team. But, you, you guys took care of them, didn't you? Right, right. How is a six, five and two, Auburn's five and two. Georgia's number nine. Right. That's what I'm saying. Have they watched the same Georgia team that I've watched? 
Georgia's not. They're nowhere. They're a top ten team. It has to be JT Daniels. Honest. I mean, maybe them switching to JT Daniels well, I mean, making them think that they're better than they yeah, are. Yeah, JT Daniels got them a three point win over Mississippi State, and Mississippi State had the ball. But at some point, the win loss record has got to count, and that's what I'm saying. Six and two. So that Big tells 12, you five and two. Are we setting up for a surprise on Florida? I mean, maybe they think so much of the Gators. They have to be. Northwestern at eight, five and zero, oh, undefeated. That may be the team from the Big Ten West. But I mean, are they respecting Florida? That I mean, I'm not trying not to speculate too much. But if they're giving Georgia the top ten, they've got to respect Florida. So they you know, Alabama will be at the one spot. They're going to be. Florida will, even though Florida's lost to Texas A&M, I would not be surprised if Florida's not in front of Texas A&M. Here we'll go. The top 25 college football playoff rankings, the AP and the USA Today coaches poll. Right now at this point, just a novelty poll because the college football playoff committee is really evaluating teams. Uh, So we'll do one is the loneliest number that you've had. Oregon's going to be top uh, no, Oregon was out outside. Were they, they, were, outside? they were thirteen, the three and zero. So Utah was in with one and zero. Hey, look, a mid major Cincinnati at seven, eight and zero. Yeah. Nice win against those guys, Central Florida, and uh, I kind of like their coach, man. He, he's an in your face type guy. Uh, you look at Cincinnati, so uh, eight and zero. I, I like him too. You know, and you know, he kind of to me got d- did wrong at Ohio State with the way they did and brought. But he did a good job, I thought. You know the situation he was put in, uh, but he seems to he seems to be doing well for Cincinnati. Danny Cannell and I agree. He's questioning Georgia at number nine too. So Danny Cannell's jumping out saying, "Have you got to be kidding me?" I know he gets irritated with the SEC. Ryan, this is about as on the spot as we've ever been on Alabama tradition. I mean, we're literally, I mean, we're giving instant we're reaction. It, this is literally instant reaction to. What appears to be, like I said, it's, it's kind of a crazy poll with this year. Not only, you know, there's no cross-conference game, so you can't really judge conference against conference. Uh, so a, a conference with bad records could be because it's a balanced conference or it could be that, you know, that it's a really bad conference. And then you have, you know, I, I, I just can't understand Iowa. I, I'm, I'm, Georgia and Iowa State were the two that jumped out at me with two losses. Um, and it's yes, Georgia's coming from the SEC, and Georgia's two losses at least. Georgia's two losses is going to feature people in the top five, probably. But, but when you look at the um, Iowa State, yeah, I mean, this committee, and, and you're trying to evaluate it. Here we go. We'll uh, look at the Florida Gators there at number six. So the Florida Gators at six. Time. So Texas AM will be. Five, and we're, we're we're not officially we're jumping the gun a little bit. Uh, so, what they'll probably do is do yeah Texas A and M at number five. So you've got Florida at six, Texas A and M at five, and then we'll get into the top four. So we're looking at the college football rankings, and you know we'll be with you every Tuesday night here on Alabama Tradition. We'll have the rankings every Tuesday as they'll release uh, these college football playoff criteria and the evaluation. So we're waiting for the final four. We're going to redo uh, that. We're going to also talk about Alabama and Auburn and what Alabama needs to prove. If you're just now tuning in, the Auburn Tigers at 22. Uh, big takeaway, 5-2 and two football team. Looks like this committee doesn't look at the Auburn Tigers and say that, uh, I mean, that's that's a low spot for them. I mean, I, th- I thought they'd at least be in the top 20. And as Auburn's you- lost to South Carolina and 
Uh, who? Who, who has beat Auburn? I got Georgia? it right. Uh, Georgia, maybe? Yeah, Georgia. Yeah, Georgia. Yeah, Georgia. Georgia just didn't beat them. There you go. Alabama, number one team in college football. Uh, yeah, well, look at the Auburn Tigers. Uh, so so is it that much disrespect for South Carolina? 30 to 22, and then, and then a stomping 27 to 6. Notre Dame at number two, and then Ohio State will be three, and Clemson will be four. Is way we're thinking that this Alabama, it's good to be on top, is it not? I mean, we live us. Okay. With that, say it. Oh, they, uh, oh, wow. Clemson number three. Aren't we're we're all we're we're. If these, teams, I don't know what this committee's doing. No, I, I'm telling you what these committees doing. They're gonna take San is gonna be left out. Period. If Florida continues to and win. And they're covering for Notre Dame and Clemson. Yes, Notre Dame and Clemson will yeah. be in there if Clemson wins. They're setting it up. The only where, way Clemson – this is setting up Notre Dame to be in. Regardless. And which will be – you know, listen, if you put those four teams in, Clemson, Alabama, Notre Dame, and Ohio State, ratings would be off the charts. Yes. But now – And then if Florida beats Alabama, they'll be in. But now would what? Alabama slot out? Are 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 they covering for? That's Alabama a great question. would have to slide out because well because you've you've got Texas A and M at number five. But Ohio State's going to run the table the next three games that they have, so they're going to be undefeated. And do, do you know what Ohio State's right now going into the Indiana game, Ryan? I don't know what the three teams left on their schedule did this past week, but going into last week's game, including Indiana. Their schedule had nine total wins. You take Indiana out, and all the teams they had played or had left to play on their schedule had won a grand total of five games. And we're saying, and they struggle against the four and one um, Indiana team. But I'm telling you, I don't know, Ryan. How, how do you, if you don't kick Alabama out, Florida's going in if they beat Alabama. I agree, yeah. But but with, with Florida being at that number six, I mean I don't feel very comfortable about that. Um, at Alabama at that number one spot, I, I like that there. But when you look at and you got to put Texas A&M in front of Florida because they at the at the end of the day it head to head matters, right? right? So maybe that's what that committee's doing is they'll work their way uh, through the the Florida Gators and you know. But will Alabama have enough of a strength to schedule there? They're playing in the SEC. Sure. And, I mean, and look, you, you look have at the to rankings. be given Notre Dame and Clemson strength to schedule. If their one loss keeps them at two and three, I mean, Clemson. Georgia, and Heather Dennis points this out. Uh, she says Georgia's overall combined record is 15 and 22. The only win that they have over a team with with a winning record is Auburn. Georgia. And they're, they're number nine. Glory. All right, so we'll talk more. If you guys want to talk about it, we can do it right here. Alabama at that number one spot. Texas A&M at number five. Florida at six. Nine, Georgia, 22, Auburn. That is the college football rankings. When we talk about it, if you want to jump in, we got to talk about the Alabama-Auburn Iron Bowl. A lot of things to talk about. How can Alabama stay at that number one spot? We will discuss that and a lot more right here on Alabama Tradition, the past, present, and future of the Alabama Crimson Tide.
Berman's Foster's Veterinarian Clinic with Dr. Jimmy Canan. 35 years of serving this community. The name that we've trusted, Dr. Jimmy Canan. Small animal practice providing full veterinarian services. Only 10 minutes from where I'm located here on Skyland Boulevard. 10 minutes from downtown Tuscaloosa. You'll find Foster's Supermarket Shopping Center. Foster's Veterinarian Clinic right there on Gainesville Road and Highway 11 off of Exit 62. Definitely worth the drive. The customer service, small animal practice providing full veterinarian services. It's Dr. Jimmy Canant and Foster's Veterinarian Clinic. Tide 100.9 WTIDFM. The station in Tuscaloosa for ESPN Radio. Your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. You are listening to Alabama Tradition with Martin Houston and Ryan Fowler. Your connection to Tuscaloosa and the University of Alabama Athletics. On Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. into Alabama tradition. Alabama at number one, Notre Dame at two, Clemson three, Ohio State at four, Texas A&M five, six Florida, seven Cincinnati, eight Northwestern, nine Georgia, ten Miami, Oklahoma at 11, Indiana at 12, Iowa State 13, BYU at 14, 15, Oregon will drop down to 22, uh, the Auburn Tigers, Coastal Carolina, Marshall, uh, a lot of teams in front of the Auburn Tigers. They'll come here uh, with it all on the line, we talk about uh, no risk when you look at the Alabama-Auburn game. The Iron Bowl. Martin, I've, I've kind of been setting up the conversation here when you look at Alabama at that number one spot. If they continue to win, uh, they control their own destiny uh, when you look at Alabama trying to find a way. Uh, but your initial reaction, let, let's, I was going to ask you a question, but let me, let me, I'll go back to that in a couple of minutes. Just, we, we've had a couple of minutes to let that marinate in, the, in that ranking. What What is your number one takeaway from uh, the initial college football playoff rankings. First of all, I know I'm a conspiracy theorist yeah, when it too. comes to college football playoffs. I, I, I don't trust them that they are really looking at the best four teams uh, per se. Um, <sighs> the Notre Dame-Clemson situation, uh, despite the fact that um, Clemson – is in front of, I mean, uh, had the one loss and Notre Dame didn't. I thought that whoever won that game, if Clemson won it the second time around, was going to get in. I just didn't think they would put them ahead of Ohio State. So that that's kind of a surprise to me that Ohio State sits at number four. The four teams that are in there, that's who I thought would be the four, but that order is probably the biggest surprise of the night, uh, them leapfrogging um, – Ohio State. I mean, and, and Ohio State. I mean, they've they've played their toughest opponent. Uh, they won by seven. Indiana. That's it. I mean, well, it's, the only thing that they have left is Northwestern in the Big Ten. If Northwestern wins out, um, they would have Northwestern 
who who does Ohio State? I don't even know who they have left. Well, but. you got the Illini uh, oh, there. Wow. Ooh, uh, scary there. Uh, that's this weekend. That'd be the comparison to uh, Vanderbilt for us. Maybe Kentucky. Uh, currently, the Illini are two and three out of Champaign, Illinois. Uh, then you got Michigan State, which is a one and three football team. <laughs> uh, you've got Michigan, another two and three football team. I guess my question is: is is have you seen enough at Ohio State to say that they're one of the best four teams in the country? Is they it? got credit for beating Penn State, who hasn't beaten anyone. They're zero and five. Woo! I love college football playoff rankings. Gives us plenty to talk about. But, I mean, you you got to scare and scratch your head. All right, so let's paint up the scenario. All right, Alabama, you've got Auburn this weekend. They're 25. I mean, this line has went up all afternoon. I don't know if people are just putting their bets in, uh, but the line is up to 25-and-a-half in most places out in Vegas. It's up. You, I mean, I just thought about something, Ryan. I'm sorry. You know it would be better for Alabama to lose this game and win out and play Florida and beat Florida in the bowl. I mean, I mean that's that's kind of crazy to think that they would be better. They, Alabama would have a better chance of getting in probably and staying in if they were to lose this week and then beat Florida. Which just with motivation? No, because if Auburn, if we beat Auburn, then Auburn's dropping out of the top twenty-five. Which at the end of the season, that you know, that's not going to be a top twenty-five win. We need those. Well, yeah, but they, but they value Georgia. They they value Georgia. Is yeah, I that's mean, true. I, I, if they're sitting at five and two and they're considered a top ten team, and they just beat Mississippi State by three, okay, Mississippi State scored twenty-four points on Georgia vaunted defense, and <laughs> we gave we shut them out. It is, and everybody's been shutting Mississippi State out, other than LSU and Georgia, right? I mean, so when you when you back up a couple of minutes and and you begin to think, like like you said, the the four is not a surprise; it's the order. And we will we'll have quotes uh, coming up after the show. We'll be able to listen. There's a teleconference coming up at seven o'clock, and we'll be able to listen to uh, the committee chair try to explain you know what the gap is between Alabama. All right, so let's let's go to Alabama, Kentucky. Just going back just for a couple of minutes. Um, your big takeaway from Alabama's, you know, victory by a lot of points. Uh, they played a lot of guys, and did you see anything at Kentucky that lets you know this football team is still on the pathway to win a national title? Yeah, well, just kind of talk from the good, you know, good, bad, ugly kind of perspective, Ryan. The good is that that we played well after three weeks off. Rusty early, sure, gave up 178 yards in the first three drives. The total. At the end of the game was 179. So that tells you, kind of got things figured out after those first three drives. So that's good. The defense was able to get back to that level, only giving up three points. Should have gave up nine to to 17, but that's kind of what I predicted. So that was good on the defensive side. Offensively, Ryan, we just scored 63 points and had our best, worst offensive game. As I, I, one, one, one listener said to me, he said, he said, yeah, kind of crazy that we can nitpick in, in our offense and end up with, you know, 60 plus points. What I like, Ryan, is Mac Jones didn't have to throw for 400 yards for us to have that type of offensive explosion. Another takeaway I had, and this may be more future than anything, Ryan. For the first time in a long time, when we put the backups in and just tried to run the clock out, we actually dominated that team. We we scored. We continued to score 
when we put the backups in and, and the backups end up leading rusher. Uh, so so that part was good. The bad was I saw Mac Jones press a little bit. I, I, I hope that that's not a Heisman pressure moment. I'm hoping that's a three-week layoff moment, if that makes sense. He, he, he tried to force some balls in there. Should have had three interceptions in this game, just like Justin Fields had. Uh, had two dropped and had the one where he forced it to Smitty. Uh, and Nick Saban called it a hope ball. Hope ball, yeah. Uh, one other key thing I think we found in this game is Jaleel uh, Billingsley. Uh, think about what tight ends have done to our defense. Sure. And we've not done that to other defenses. I mean, what's his name has been okay, but he looked like he's a legit weapon. Uh, and then it looked like we found another punt returner. <laughs> hey, <laughs> you know, and at what point do you look at Devontae? And I know he broke the SEC record of Amari Cooper and Chris Doring, but uh, when you when you take a look, and I almost think Devontae Smith should also be getting some at Heisman love. I mean, when you look at the stats, I know that, it's it's not a wide receiver award. I mean, it's a it's it's a quarterback driven award. But yeah, there's some facts so. that that have that have been a part of. It. All right, so I asked the or I told the audience that I was dying to to hear your evaluation. Uh, I know that you went to a lot of high school football games in the state of Alabama. You know Roy Dell Williams. You you I remember uh, when Northridge played Hueytown probably three or four years ago. You were kind of pretty high on him. But take take a look at those. Uh, those studs in the backfield after Brian and Najee, Jace McClellan, and uh, Roy Dale Williams. Uh, just, just your thoughts on those two backs. Well, that, that's I think part of it was the the quality of the blocks they were getting, Ryan. But I also think that it was their running ability, their ability to press the hole and find the holes and finish runs. So, from a standpoint of freshmen coming in and playing limited time. I thought that those two guys showed as much potential on, hey, if you if we got some blocking, we know how to you know do our job in terms of pressing the hole uh, and sustaining. So um, I, I don't know, you know, a lot of people are off on the bandwagon that Jace is clearly you know uh, better than Rodell. I'm not at that point yet. I have to see him play some more, but Jace looks the part of being kind of a big back who I think will put on probably another 10 pounds or so before he leaves. Rodell, to me, right, he's going to remind me probably a lot of a Josh Jacobs. You just don't see the power when you look at the size until you see him finish a run. You know, and, and so even though he's not as big a body as, as Jace, I think he still runs a lot like Josh Jacobs. So I think Alabama is in good hands. Hopefully Trey Sanders comes back. Uh but I think they got two young guys that can can help carry the load because right now, Ryan, we literally those two guys could be the guys next year if Brian and um, uh, Najee leave because what's his name is I mean they say he's gonna make a full recovery, but it was a hip injury and a hip injury could be back in nine months or it could be a full year. Who knows? Nick Saban saying that it's not the hip that uh, the injury to Tua uh, that's not similar in Tua Tungvaluwa when you look at Alabama. Martin, I want to I want you to chew on one stat line. Mike in Birmingham uh, called me, and I know he calls you as well. And uh, he he pointed out something that I w- I want you to let it marinate for about three or four minutes, and then we'll come back and talk about it. 
Do you realize that Dylan Moses did not record a defensive statistic in Saturday's game? Not an assist, not a solo, not a tackle for a loss, not a sack, not a quarterback carry, not a pass breakup, nothing, not one defensive statistic for Dylan Moses. Let me give him credit, though. He had one tackle. It was uh, counted, uh, it took off because of the offsides of penalties. He had one tackle, but that didn't show up in the stat book. That's your Mike linebacker. Can Alabama win with that type of production once it gets settled? We'll talk about it. Mark Houston, I'm Ryan Fowler. College football playoff rankings, Alabama at that number one spot. We will continue right here on Alabama tradition, the past, present, and future of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Tide 100.9, WTIDFM, and ESPN Radio for the biggest events in sports. Your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9. You're listening to Tide 100.9. Are you in the holiday spirit? Check out Tuscaloosa's Home for the Holidays on Nick 97.5. All Christmas songs 24-7. Here comes Van Tippen. With six seconds, he's in the game. My heart won't stand it. <laughs> he missed a 52-yarder earlier, wide left with the win. This is 52 yards into the breeze. Not strong, but there's some. The kick is up. Alabama tradition, always great to hear the kick. 1985, Van Tiffen, uh, it's good, it's good, it's good. We're going to talk about the Iron Bowl rivalry uh, from a historical perspective, kind of breaking it down when you look at the upcoming matchup. Uh, but, Martin, I, I let you marinate on that for a couple of minutes. Uh, Dylan Moses did not record uh, any statistics uh, in the performance against the Kentucky Wildcats. Now, I think you should cover up a little bit if you're trying to make a defense. Uh, a lot of the you know the backups got a lot of reps, and so that took probably a quarter, uh, a little bit over a quarter, maybe out of those starters. Uh, just your reaction when you hear that number. Well, well, I mean, your your reaction would be that, oh my God, how yeah. bad did Alabama get beat? How many points did they score? Would be your initial reaction uh, in the typical world of your middle linebacker, your start middle linebacker, who's your general, uh, not doing it, uh, not making a tackle. Uh, but then you have to back up and say, okay, did he impact the game? Did he, did he influence the game in a, in a positive way? Did Kentucky do something to schematically move him um, out and, and to take advantage of, of him – having to move around. I know early on, uh, that's it's a shocking statistic, and I, I, I want to say that there was one play that he made that they ended up, the guy was at the two-yard line, and I thought Dylan made that tackle. He hit the guy from behind. The guy's knee hit the ground, but they didn't originally call him down. But I, I could be wrong. I thought that was Dylan. It may have been someone else. But, but either way, one tackle, no tackles, still – a glaring anomaly, I, I would call it an anomaly. But then I would go back and say, Ryan, did Kentucky's game plan 
help contribute to that because you remember how much they were moving to get guys out of there and, and, and moving them out. Um, it, it's but, shocking, just to say the least. Sure, and it, but it was for me. I didn't know the stat until one of the callers pointed it out. So, um, But I didn't feel like Dylan Moses played a bad game. I mean, it felt like he was always around the ball. That's what's kind of weird. Uh, and I think had he not played a good game, Ryan, then Kentucky would have exploited the middle. So there was something that was happening there. Um, I, I always looked at sometimes you don't always, it's sort of like pass rush. You know, not every great pass rusher makes the sack, but he causes another guy to get the sack. You know, Derek Thomas made a lot of tackles for George Bethune. <laughs> you, I mean, there was a lot of times the guy was running the other way because he knew Derek was coming, and so it impacted. And I think Dylan has that type of influence on the game that maybe they ran away from him. Maybe they did. But it, either way, that's still a shocking statistic. So look at Alabama's defensive performance. We all go back to Ole Miss, and we look at 63-48. When you work ahead, you had Georgia – uh, coming in, Tennessee coming in, Mississippi State. Uh, the LSU game was postponed, and now Kentucky. It, have you seen enough in Georgia, Tennessee, Mississippi State, Kentucky to look at this defense and say that they've got better, and is it enough to win a national title on the defensive side? It, it, well, two questions, two different questions. There. One is, have they gotten better? Absolutely, this team is, is better. Uh, this defensive team, without a doubt, is, is better. Uh, by far than what they were early in the season. Uh, we don't have as many guys running around out of position looking <laughs> to the sideline, Ryan. Some of the stuff a that carried point. over that carried over from last year. Even though Dylan did not have tackles, they did say that Dylan has got to the point where guys are getting in position faster, quicker, so he's able to focus back on doing his job, which kind of surprised me since that's was he actually did less of that this game supposedly than he had in the past. Um, but defense is definitely better, Ryan. I think the DBs are com coming together better uh, when they're having to switch uh, receivers. You don't see guys, as many guys running wide open. I, my biggest question that, that I can't figure out is I think that we're still missing one dominant player in that middle like we've had with Quinn and Williams and, and, and others in the past. And I think it's Barmore, but I can't understand why he doesn't play more. He flashes every time he's in the game. He is disruptive. He is nasty. He is mean. But he doesn't play as much. It's like they just don't feel like they can trust him or something. Um, but I think with him and Mathis, uh, more than him and Dale, Mathis and Dale, uh, this defense is better. And, yes, I think they're good enough to win a national championship, Ryan. Because for the first time, this is why. Because this is what we worried about with Tua. We we were afraid that we could, if we got into a game and someone stopped our offense. Well, you have to stop our offense on both sides now. We we can we'll run for three hundred and fifty yards on you, or we'll throw for four hundred. We didn't have that with Tua. We were going to throw for four hundred, but we weren't going to run the ball, dominant. So with that balance on offense, this defense is not elite. I'm not saying that, but I. But it think doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be, but I think they're good enough uh, to to balance out, and Alabama can win a national championship because I think they're getting better, Ryan. 
I think that if we stop where we're at, let me say this this way. If we stop where we're at, no. This the the defense we played Saturday would not beat Clemson in Ohio State. We have to get better against Auburn this week. We well, have to and, get better. And maybe that's why I had this expectation that going up in three week by week that uh you know, I mean, listen, I know they play great, but we also gotta look at the opponent. Uh, who not only came to Tuscaloosa, but they were also without quite a few of their starters as well. But I think that I think that helped them early. It may have. I, I think that we, you 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 practice with what you know, and then that's not what they do. Um, so that that's a possibility there. Right, two two quick observations. One is one week we had to stop a pass defense. Sure. I mean offense, and we did. We shut them we out. Did. The next game we played, even though it was three three weeks, it was a run team. We stopped them. Right. So to me, that is something that last year's defense could not have done. They 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 just couldn't take away either or. <laughs> and this defense showed it. In one game, we can at least take away a pass game. One game we can maybe we can put that together. That'll be what it takes to beat, you know, those guys. Tying it into Auburn, uh, when we look at Gus and the the game plan that he will design, uh, is this Auburn team good enough on offense that they can challenge Alabama? Any concerns about that? And then we'll we'll work our way to break. And we'll come back and wrap up Alabama and Auburn. But uh, when when you because I I know you're you, you look at Auburn's offense and you look at what they'll bring uh, to Tuscaloosa. We see what they've been able to do in the first seven games, but you know they've got some wrinkles that they will pull out. Uh, against the Alabama Crimson Tide, what do you see offensively for Auburn? Well, well, Ryan, what what do you, what would you say that our run game we we still look like you could possibly gash us up the middle when you saw Kentucky have some success up the middle, we saw Georgia have success up the middle, we saw Mississippi State didn't run it a lot, but they even had success up the middle. That concerns you for this reason. What does Gus want to do? He wants to run the ball right at you, and, and so. Um, that's why I was saying about Barmore up the middle. I think he has to have a big game. I think Auburn's offense can use the read option and the uh, and the RPOs. If we're not sound up the middle, then our outside contained guys have to play solid because Bo Nix will hurt you, Ryan, if you get let him get outside, and then then Gus can do the whole triple option with the pass to the receiver or pass down the field. So, yes, Auburn can. I don't think they will, but uh, that's what, to me, it would take is them having that type of just a running power power game. I don't think they're going to be able to pass it like they did last year. You know, when you look at Auburn, I think they're also – they're a lot different team defensively. But, you know, the, the question of looking at Alabama, you know, will they line up and play smash-mouth football? I mean uh, – you know, will you have because it helps that defense out enough if you can control the time of possession. Nick Saban gave us a really good explanation following the game, talking about well, listen, if you score early and your defense does this, he said it kind of looks bad because you you look at your time of possession. He said it didn't tell all the details, uh, but Alabama could, and and I think they could do it against some top teams. I mean, I think that offensive line, that's a game plan that we've used, but I think there's more in that well. For Alabama, that's that's what I'm saying. Is I think that that's why I said I back to a question earlier. Why do I think this team can win a national title? Because I think I don't think you can take anything. If, pick your poison. Take what the defense will give you. Yeah, pick your poison. So if you line up to stop our our passing game, if you if you come into this game to stop Mac Jones, 
Alabama physically have the running back and the offensive line that they will make you pay, and then Mac Jones will punish you for play, with play action pass. The question that I'm going to ask Martin Houston on the other side, when you look at the Alabama-Auburn rivalry, I'm curious of, of growing up in the state of Alabama uh, and playing in the game, playing in the game, did that magnify your thoughts of the Iron Bowl? Martin Houston, Ryan Fowler, Alabama tradition, the past, present, and future of the Alabama Crimson Tut. A good supply of sunshine this afternoon. Tuscaloosa's high at 70. Tonight, increasingly cloudy with a low at 55. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy. Showers and a few strong thunderstorms are likely tomorrow afternoon and tomorrow night. The daytime high 72. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. WTIDFM and ESPN Radio bringing you all things sports in T-Town. You're listening to Tide 100.9. And screaming on the Tide 100.9 app. The host of the game, Ryan Fowler, and the host of the Martin Houston show, Martin Houston, have combined to offer a show filled with in depth analysis of Alabama football and more. Alabama tradition broadcast live on Tide 100.9 every Tuesday from 6 to 7 p.m. and is available live and on playback on numerous affiliates around the Southeast. Check out alabamatradition.com for a list of affiliates as well as other great content. When you look back at your perception of the Alabama and Auburn game when you came in as a as a player, did, did it change after playing in the game? That did, did did it magnify it? Did it uh, <laughs> confirm anything when you look at the Iron Bowl and and have a chance to play in that five years? Well, Ryan, first of all, you, you know for the listeners who don't know, they're always shocked. Don't drive off the road. Um, I wasn't going to tell that. I, did, I was not going to tell that story. I did not grow up necessarily an Auburn fan, but I was a big-time Auburn fan in high school okay. and through recruiting. Um, I didn't necessarily grow up either one of them per se because I was a big nerd. But um, but once I got to high school, it was all about Auburn. So that kick that he just played is funny. I was going to ask you that earlier. But it's I funny. It's funny. Like, like – as an Alabama fan, that doesn't do anything for me as an Alabama alumni because when it happened, I was mad. It 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 hurt. It was like, you know, it would be like, think about a kid right now growing up, an Alabama fan who watched the kick six and then ends up playing in Tuscaloosa. Well, when everybody talk about the kick six, for, I mean, he ends up playing in Auburn, but he's an Alabama fan, right? And he goes in. And so when they play the kick six, he'll be up there like, Man, that stinks because his mind. And so that 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 was kind of my journey here. But where I want that thing, I can tell you is either way, you grew up wanting to play for that school, 
When I was going to Auburn, I wanted to play for Auburn. When I when I flipped to Alabama, it was about playing for Alabama, and it was all about beating that team across the state on the other side. And it didn't take very long as a player to go from not liking them, you know. And right, even right now, I have a son that's being recruited in football. I know I shouldn't be saying anything bad about Auburn because – they run an H-back, and my son likes the H-back position, and Gus runs an H-back, and I still can't help myself but say negative stuff about this recorded that I would have to lie about. You know, I mean, and so so if that tells you how much it changes once you're there, it confirmed everything, and I really wish it had that same feeling. I think the fans still have the same feeling, but I don't think the players as a whole – have the same feeling well, that we from, had from an Alabama perspective or from an Auburn perspective. See, I feel from an Alabama perspective absolutely. more. I think we a have a lot moved, more. We've moved beyond Auburn. Auburn. A lot more. Yeah, we, we're not counting. Like I, I think you could walk up to the players now, and yeah, they respect Auburn, but they look at Baton Rouge as their rivalry. I'm telling you, it's right. Oh, w- without a doubt, now the Alabama it, kids may look it, at it. Well, it's not even just Alabama. I mean, not just LSU. They expect to play in championship game, so they have like Alabama. I mean, there's there's LSU, there's Clemson, there's Ohio State. That's who that's who these guys get like about. Because, but the flip side, you can't tell me that that Auburn, because of their tie to the state, the number of players that they have traditionally had on their team, and they're not as much of a national brand. I think the Iron Bowl, if you can use the SEC, I think Auburn could say when it comes to Iron Bowl, it just means more. Because every time that Auburn's been good, and this is what I'm waiting on, Ryan, I'm disappointed that Auburn got beat by South Carolina or Georgia. I was really hoping this year would be the year that Auburn would be good and Nick Saban would actually beat a good Auburn team. He's never beat a nine-win Auburn team. Even though he's dominated the series, every time Auburn's been on par with Alabama, Ryan, not even as good, but on par, they have managed to win the game. And that's what you and I are talking about because I think they want it more because it's more ingrained in how they judge their season, how they judge success, how they judge their program. If you leave out of Alabama, what do you think the question is now under Nick Saban? I mean, the national championships y'all win? Right. What do you think it is at Auburn? How many times how, you beat Alabama? How did you do in the Iron Bowl? I mean, it. I think it's it's dead on the money. I think I think you nailed it. And and I've been on the sidelines, and I watch the energy. And you look and you see, and you can see it on the, on the television side of things. It's they bring the heat. They have this emotional, and and I think some of it goes back to, uh, you know, not getting recruited by Alabama. And I think there's something there to prove. Mm-hmm. And, and you say, hey, I, I'm going to show you something, Nick Saban. You you should have offered me a scholarship. Yes. Well, Ryan, answer it this way. I don't go to the games a lot, and I don't go to the sidelines. I have not been on the sideline of a game since I left, I don't think, uh, uh, for an entire game. But you, what you're talking about, it, you can feel it. It's palpable when you're standing there. Is there any difference in what you feel on Alabama's sideline? Oh, absolutely. In, uh, no, no, hold on, hold on. When, when you go when they when they're jacked up to play LSU or when they're jacked up to play in the national championship game, is that not the exact same feeling when you go back to the Notre Dame game, when you go back to the Clemson game, 
when you go back to those games, is that not the exact same atmosphere and feeling you feel when you walk to the Auburn sideline in the Iron Bowl? Oh, yeah. I mean, you nailed it. I mean, as you were sitting there saying it, I mean, I'm going through and I'm going, yeah, I mean, you're, you're dead on the money. I mean, it, it's it's uh, like we're just playing those guys over there. But Auburn is like. <laughs> so maybe you and I should do the pregame speech uh, on Saturday afternoon. Uh, maybe I, we- I could get them riled up. Play for the Crimson. You wear that Crimson jersey. I uh, promise and, that you will never see. Oh, that was that's Florida yeah, and yeah, Tim Tebow. Yeah. My bad. Uh, and then, you know, but Nick Saban opened up and in his opening speech, he said, "We've got an opponent. He wouldn't even call their name. That we want to dominate 365, uh, 365." And you know, I guess we do it in some extent, but eight and five to me is not very dominant in thirteen years. Is it compared to everybody else? I mean, he's beat he's, it. He's eight and five in thirteen years. Gus Malzahn has beat him how many times? Uh, what two out of the last three? And three out of the last five. Yes. Right. right. Am, am, am I correct? Uh, Alabama maybe three out of five. Let's see. So it'd be two out of four. Yeah, we'd be three out of five. <laughs> he has a good team every other year. He's well. So, it, it's a right? development program. Right, and so every other year he has a good team and he wins. So does that make him a win? I'm sorry. All right, so Martin, <laughs> we're going to be off tomorrow, man. Thanksgiving on uh, on Thursday, certainly a lot of things. I know when you look at, uh, you know, there, we could say and do a pity party for 2020 and we would probably get some uh, response, but a uh, big Thanksgiving on Thursday, certainly uh, recognizing we live in the greatest country in the world and uh, – a trip around the buffet line, no doubt. Ryan, I had an opportunity last Wednesday to teach a message on gratitude. Oh, you did? And, oh, God, yes. And did I'm you step telling on you, some toes? Uh, my own. Okay. <laughs> I, I went to work the next day, had to apologize to my team, had to send them a text message and, and say, God must have knew that I needed this because he had me preach that message. So, it, but, but, you know, Ryan, as bad as things have been or difficult as things have been, this this is the greatest country, and despite all the craziness, we need to have gratitude. Take some time over the next day, week, month, and turn it into a lifestyle. Figure out how to be grateful in the small things, and in the big things, it'll be easy. So happy Thanksgiving to you and yours and all uh, our great listeners and supporters. And also, uh, happy anniversary from uh, yesterday, 31 yep. years. Yep, yep. Yeah, it's hard to believe. I got 31. married at I got married at ten. <laughs> hey Brian, uh, <laughs> maybe nineteen. Nineteen. I'm fifty, so I'm okay with that. I wouldn't. Hey, hammer turkey, huh? Hammer turkey. Yes. Both. <laughs> I'm the same way. I'm the same way. <laughs> which which one you got is not dry? Are you a cranberry sauce guy? Uh, yeah. I'm not. Oh, I dressing? I love dressing. Dressing? Now, now, now I, I, need, I need the country man version of dressing. I, yes. I ain't want none of that just just the bread. I need some chicken. I need some Absolutely. turkey or chicken Absolutely. up in the dressing with some eggs. You take the neck yeah, bone yeah, yeah, from, yeah. The, from the turkey what? and mix it all in there together. <laughs> we went country on that one. So. <laughs> well, we are country, Mark. Oh, that's right. We didn't go anywhere, did we? <laughs> We're from North Alabama. Marty Houston, I'm Ryan Fowler. Big thanks to Brian, as always. Roll Tide, enjoy Thanksgiving. We'll see you guys on Friday for our great lineup on Tide 100.9. Good night, T-Town.